0: the Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season two of the Fox TV series Friend from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister
1: J. And I'm Sister K, And welcome to episode 17. Let's get
0: started. Okay, in this podcast, this is our recap podcast for season two. As all of our listeners know, um, we kind of fell off the wagon. We had some light issues come up and everything and we just never did finish um recapping se- uh, season two so this is sister J and i'm going to do uh the recast for the last uh several episodes that we did not air <clears throat> i'm just going to try to be as quick as possible and go through each episode uh until we get to the end and then we're uh sister k and i will discuss like all what happened that we missed okay um Excuse me, I'm going to start with episode, fringe episode number 17, Olivia in the lab with the revolver. And we start out with, after meeting with an ill childhood uh, schoolmate, a woman named Miranda Green develops a malignant tumors all over her body and she dies. Uh, if you recall, Ma- Miranda Green is an attorney and she met with a guy named uh, Neil Wilson who When he touched her, she developed all these malignant tumors all over her body. And she was in traffic in the car, and all of a sudden these tumors start popping out on her body, and she died in the car. The fringe team is called in to investigate, of course, and Walter discovers a handprint on Miranda's arm. And he theorizes that she somehow caught cancer by skin-to-skin contact. Mm Mm-hmm. So back at the lab, uh, Walter tries to retrieve a fingerprint from Miranda's arm. And, of course, Olivia and Peter visit Miranda's workplace, and they find out the name of the man that she met the day she died. And, of course, his name is Neil Wilson. (coughs) Excuse me. After several nights of tossing and turning and, you know, Olivia's trying to decide whether to tell Peter that she saw that aura aura around him so she knows he's the alternate peter and she can't sleep and everything and she finally confronts walter and tells walter that she's going to tell peter and she thinks peter needs to be told the truth about his past well of course as predicted walter begs olivia not to say anything you know but olivia says no he's got to know meanwhile neil wilson the guy who uh, who touched the uh the uh, attorney Miranda Green and you know she died from all those cancers he's now looking pretty chipper he's looking really uh healthy and everything and he is shopping in a grocery store buying a whole bunch of healthy food a lot of uh vegetables and stuff and while he's at the cash uh cash shares uh station checking out then he starts coughing and stuff, and he, he becomes sick, so he runs out, like, looks like the back door or a door, and he vomits, like, looks like on the sidewalk. And after that, Neil goes home, and he realizes that that didn't help him too much by touching uh, Miranda, so he begins looking for other children, other schoolmates, uh that he knows, and he's looking particularly for a schoolmate named Lloyd Becker. Now, and he goes, and and, uh, uh, after this Lloyd Becker turns up dead, then Walter uh, thinks that Neil may be infecting others with the cancer in an effort to slow the progression of his own illness. So Astrid, you know, ancient Barnsworth, Astrid finds three more similar cases of people who developed these instant cancers and died, and Olivia discovers that they all have something in common, and that is all the victims were Cortexophan children, so they all were in that Cortexophan experiment. Olivia goes to massic Dynamics to see Nina Sharp, that's my girl, and, uh, ask her if they have a list of all the cortexophan children's names. But of course, you know, Nina Sharp is telling her, no, I don't have such a list. And Nina's telling her, but I don't even think you came here to do that. And when Olivia tells Nina of her intention to tell Peter the truth, then Nina tells her, "Mm, I don't think so. I think what you came to ask me a question that, you already knew the answer to, meaning that you already knew we didn't have a list of the cortex fan children. But you came here to, 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 uh, to get me to talk you out of telling Peter the truth, that he's the alternate Peter. So Olivia's looking all, you know, guilty. She gave her a guilty look. Meanwhile, this Neil Wilson, he's looking all sickly. And he visits Nick's, Nick Lane's aunt. So he's looking for another uh, uh, a schoolmate named Nick Lane, but he visits his aunt and she tells him, well, you know, Nick left months ago and she hasn't seen him, but she kind of by accident is, you know, talking. And she mentions that um, another person had contacted Nick and this person was another uh, uh, schoolmate from Jacksonville. And of course she gives Neil Olivia's name. Mm, That's too bad. Now, we see Olivia at home and she's trying to figure out who this Neil Wilson is. They already know that his name is. And she finally comes up on the idea that when she was in Jacksonville, she had written down the last name and first initial of all the uh, children's names that was listed on this one wall. They had this one wall where all the kids' names were listed and, you know, how they check their height when you're a little bitty kid. And she had dug out that little tablet that she wrote that on, and she finally figured out that Neil Wilson's real name is James Heath. (coughs) Excuse me. And he was one of the Cortexavan children in Jacksonville with her. So she calls Broyles and tells him, you know, about Heath and that Heath, his sister Julie she became the very first victim to die of these cancers after she visited Heath in the hospital because he, he had the cancer. So Olivia rushes out the door to investigate further, and she is confronted by Heath in the hallway outside her little apartment door. So, of course, she's trying to play it cool like... uh Oh, yeah, I kind of remember you. Uh, Won't you come in? And so she goes back to her door to unlock her door, but she tries to close the door on him quickly. And, of course, he kind of busts in, and they begin fighting. But eventually, Olivia prevails, even though he knocked the gun out of her hand and everything. But she picked up a a vase or a statue or something and brained him. She hit him dead in the head, and she eventually overpowers him. And while he's down on the floor kind of bleeding, Then, you know, he, uh, he breaks down and he confesses that, you know, this whole ordeal began when some man, some mysterious man came to his hospital bed and, you know, told him that he had these special abilities and he could, he could do this. He showed him how to do it. And his sister, who came to the hospital and stayed by his side the whole time and everything, you know, she, he was holding her hand, and suddenly she began to develop these cancer boils, and before he could even stop it or call the nurses, she had died. So that's when he realized that that's how he was going to maintain himself and keep himself alive, was to, you know, be able to, to find out other people who also took the cortexafan because that that means they would have some kind of abilities and he would be able to live. So Heath, of course, is, you know, the ambulance comes and and everything and they take him away to a top secret facility and he's placed under a drug-induced coma so he can't touch anyone else. And Agent Broyles, and Nina Sharp, they meet at that facility and they decide together that they have to track down all the other Cortex Fan children before they fall into the wrong hands. So they need to track them all down and at least bring them into that secret facility or under the wing of the FBI fringe division or something. So whoever this mysterious man is trying to activate these people doesn't get his hands on them. So at the end, Olivia goes to Walter's house And, of course, Walter's looking all worried and sickly and everything. And she tells Walter that she's decided not to say anything to Peter about his past or being the alternate Peter. And Walter is so happy. He thanks Olivia. But he explains that, you know, he does want to atone for his previous mistakes and that he will be doing so by telling Peter the truth. So he's determined that he is going to be the one to tell Peter the truth. And that's the end of the episode. 17, Olivia in the lab with the revolver. That was a pretty good episode. The next episode is episode 18, and it's called White Tulip. And in the middle of, we start the episode with, in the middle of writing a confession to Peter, Walter is called into action on a case. And a man has materialized in the middle of a train car, But he's killed everyone inside. And there's this one young man who's kind of like a grifter. You know, he steals people's wallets and stuff. He gets on the train right after the mysterious man played by Peter Weller, excellently played by Peter Weller. Um, And we'll learn later that his name is Alistair Peck. Anyway, as Peck is getting off the train and this little kid is getting on the train and he's asking him, you got any spare change? And, of course, Peck is brushing him aside and going on. And when the kid gets up on the train, he notices that every single person is dead. And he, you know, starts screaming and hollering and tries to get off the train, but of course, by that time, the train is already closed its doors and it's going on its way. So, Walter and his team, they're immobilized to the train. And at the at the scene of the crime, the fringe team notices that all of the electronic devices on board the train have been drained of power, including all of the cells in all the people. So, Broyles and Peter pull up a surveillance footage uh, from the train station, and they get a clear look at this mysterious suspect, who is going to be Dr. Alice Peck. Back at the lab, Walter examines some of the victims' bodies, and he discovers that they have been drained of all their energy. And meantime, Olivia traces the suspect to a coffee shop and finds out that he goes to that coffee shop often and sometimes he pays with a credit card and through that credit card receipt given to her by the waitress, she knows or learns that his name is Alistair Peck. And once the fringe team storms into Alistair Peck's apartment, they learn that he is a brilliant professor of astrophysics at MIT. And Peck, Dr. Peck shows up at the apartment and he's asking them, what, what's going on? Please do not take my research. And Walter notices that Peck's body is entwined with copper wiring and he has thus created a temporal shield around himself. And without warning, while the police have all their guns trained on him and stuff, Peck starts, you know, kind of squeezing his hands and you could kind of see the the space around him distorting and he vanishes from the apartment. And he jumps back in time to that train sequence that we already saw earlier. And so this time around, though, when Peck uh, uh, gets off the train, he leaves a fingerprint unbeknownst to him. And Broyles is able to make another successful identification of Alistair Peck as the suspect. But once again, when they go through this motion again and they raid Peck's apartment, all of his research and everything that he had written up on the board that they had confiscated the first time was already removed from the premises. But Peter Peter finds a photo album of Peck and his fiancée as well as some homemade uh, machine prototype machines. So they're kind of wondering, hmm. Now Olivia and Peter next go and meet with Peck's former MIT colleague, this woman, who gives them a copy of Peck's most current research, a study of time travel. Walter processes uh, Peck's little research and he theorizes that Peck's time jumps are sucking enormous amounts of energy from the areas in which he lands. And therefore, he kills everybody in the, in the immediate area. And Walter says the longer the jump, the more energy it requires, so the more people that are gonna be killed. Olivia then discovers that Peck's fiance recently died in a car crash. And then she thinks that Peck may be trying to travel back in time in order to save her. So Walter explains that if their theory is correct, If Peck jumped back in time to the car crash, which was several months ago, then he could potentially create a huge number of casualties and a lot of people would die. So this time around, the French team, they locate Peck's lab, or they locate Peck at a lab that's near MIT and not in his apartment. And Walter asks, you know, Broyles and Olivia if he can go in alone to negotiate with Peck. So they've got SWAT team and snipers on the roof and everything, but he wants to try to save him. So Walter goes inside and he tells Peck that he cannot jump back to the day of his uh, that his fiance died because the consequences could be very devastating. Hundreds of people could die. But Peck says that he knows he can do it in a way that no one will die because. He happened to be arguing with his fiancée that day. She wanted to go look at a gift registry, and he was kind of mad, and he didn't want to do it, and he got distracted by this hot air balloon. So he was in a field full of nothing but grass and stuff in this hot air balloon at the very moment that she died. So he says, no one's going to die. And Walter argues that it's not merely the casualties that he's worried about, but you know he proceeds to tell Peck that there are consequences to this time jumping, and he tells Peck about how he stole Peter from an alternate re- uh, uh, time period as well. And Walter then confides in Peter, uh, excuse me, in Peck that ever since the day he crossed to the other side, he has been looking for a sign of forgiveness from God. And in the form of a white tulip And Peck says, well, you know White tulips don't bloom this time of year And in this location And Walter says, but it's God And God can do anything And, you know, I I, I was just waiting for a sign So, after a few minutes The FBI busts in, of course And Peck does whatever he does And he jumps away this time he lands he jumps all the way back to the day that his fiance died and he lands in a huge open field just moments before his fiance is about to be killed and we see this big huge hot air balloon but peck starts running and he races down the street and just as his fiance is walking down the sidewalk to her car she gets in her car and she's putting on her seatbelt and all of a sudden Peck opens the door on the passenger side and he jumps in just in the nick of time and he holds her hand. She's very happy to see him and everything and he takes her hand and he's kissing her hand. And But instead of, you know, putting the key in ignition and driving the car off, then... As we see him looking at her, lovingly kissing her hand, here comes another car out of nowhere and it's plowed right into the driver's side and it kills both of them. Mm. Now, one year later, we see that Peck's colleague, this woman, she uncovers an unopened letter from Peck. She looks in her file and Peck had had given her a letter, told her to wait a year and then to... Take the letter out and send it to the person. And the unopened letter is addressed to Walter. And one of her colleagues comes in her office and says, "Well, you know, aren't you curious? I mean, it's been a whole year since uh, uh, you know Dr. Peck died. Aren't you curious? Why don't you open it?" She says, "No. If he wanted me to know what was inside, then it wouldn't have been sealed." So she she had a lot of integrity. She did not open it. She she put it in the mail and it was addressed to Walter. And then. Um, <clears throat> Um, she sends it to Walter, uh, and next scene we see that Walter is at home, and he has found the letter that he wrote to Peter. You know, he had written pages of this letter telling Peter the truth about himself, but he had put it in his uh, sweater pocket, and he was taking the letter out, and he kind of looked at it, and then he went and threw it in the fireplace, and he was watching it burning up when Walter here's the postman putting mail through their slot they have one of those mail slots in their front door so Walter goes and gets the mail for that day and he's sorting through the mail and he sees this envelope addressed to him in writing and of course it's the envelope from Dr. Peck and Walter opens it up and inside it's the sign he's been looking for it is a drawing on a white piece of paper of a white tulip and that was the end of the episode, so Walter is figuring that God has forgiven him. That was a good episode. Okay, next we have episode number, uh, Fringe episode number 19, called The Man from the Other Side. This was a very uh, good episode. <clears throat> uh, we begin this episode with there are two teenagers that are murdered by shapeshifters coming over from the alternate universe. excuse me, and if you recall when the shapeshifters come over from the alternate universe they need a human being, a human host to shapeshift into and they put these little devices shifting devices in their uh, the, the upper palate of their mouths and on the corpse that's left there are three little holes up in the roof of their mouth and that's how the fringe team knows uh oh they were killed by a shapeshifter so when these Two teenagers are found murdered. Then the fringe team is called in to handle the investigation, of course. And at the crime scene, they discover an unhatched pod that contains the lifeless embryo of a third shapeshifter. So two of them made it, and they're now in the uh, form of the teenage boy and teenage girl, but the third one didn't quite make it. (coughs) Excuse me. So the two live shapeshifters are now uh, assuming the teenager's identity, they meet with Newton in that camera shop. Remember that camera shop where they go in the back room and there's that typewriter to the alternate universe? Well, they meet Newton Newton in the camera shop and they inform him that the third member of the party did not survive. Mm-hmm. Now back at the lab, Walter is inspecting the uh, shapeshifter embryo and Olivia is attempting to decode a strange radio signal that may have originated from the other side. And that's what she's trying to do. So Olivia pays a visit to Brandon at Massive Dynamic. If you recall, he's the little nerdy guy that knows a whole lot about you know, uh, all the electronics and, and other u- universe and, and some other stuff. Uh, and so she pays him a visit and is seeing if he can like decode this uh, strange radio signal. And he confirms that her theory uh, that is from the other side and goes on to explain that there are two universities, two, that the two universes have timelines that will be completely in sync with one another within 24 hours. So, And he, he demonstrates this by he has two metronomes and he gets them to ticking uh, simultaneously and what he does is he turns on one and one second later he turns on the other and they're you know going back and forth and back and forth and after a few seconds they're synchronized and so he's telling her that our two universes will be synchronized within 24 hours and it's going to be exactly at 3:31 the next day mm-hmm. now in the typewriter shop Newton gives the shapeshifters their orders. One of them questions whether their plan will even work without a third shapeshifter. And Newton says that if it doesn't work, his boss known as the secretary will be very displeased. So they kind of look kind of worried. So they all, you know, go their separate ways and begin uh, setting their plan into motion. Back at the lab, uh, Peter has a revelation as to why Walter has been acting so strange toward him because he's been trying to ask Olivia, why is Walter avoiding me and why is Walter not looking at me and why is Walter you know, acting so strangely? Well, we know it's because Walter feels guilty, but of course Peter doesn't know that. So Peter finds an old family photo that Walter has been carrying around lately, and, and the photo is of Peter when he was about eight years old, and, of course, his wife and Walter, or Peter's mother, and then Walter. And he tells Olivia that he thinks the reason Walter is acting so strange is because he he plans to come clean about the way his mother died. Um, because uh, Peter was told evidently that his uh, his mother died in a car wreck, but Peter knows that his mother committed suicide and did not die in a car accident. So he's thinking that Walter's just feeling guilty and is getting ready to tell him the truth. Now, next we see that Newton goes to a local bank where one of those shapeshifters has assumed the identity of the bank manager named McAllister. And he sees Mcallister McAllister takes him down to the bank vault, and they use this small device and they embed it into the floor of the bank vault. Meanwhile, back at the lab, Walter figures out a way to to uh, catalyze the embryo you know make it develop further, and momentarily bring the third shape shifter back to life enough so they can at least question him but before he dies um, Uh, They have a corpse there right next to one of the dead bodies, right next to um, the embryo, and they feed it a lot of electricity and it kind of comes to life just a little bit it's in really poor shape though it's not even really all the way formed or anything it's got these big huge spiky teeth and stuff but before the little embryo dies it does tell the team that it was supposed to rendezvous with Newton and its intended target was a medical examiner named Daniel Verona So that's who the third shapeshifter was supposed to be, Daniel Morona. Now, but we also see that the next scene, we see Newton at a payphone, and he's calling 911, and he reports there is a man who looks like he's having a heart attack. And he hangs up the phone before he can uh, give them the address, of course. Then we see Newton putting a black pill into his mouth, and all of a sudden he starts convulsing and he falls out on the sidewalk. And, of course, everybody's running over to help him, and they say call an ambulance. Now, Newton pretends to be a corpse, so he, he, he must have simulated death so he can get into the morgue. And so once he's, he's um, brought down to the morgue, then he unzips that little body bag and he plants the second device in one of the, um, uh, in the floor, in the morgue. So the little device, just like they implanted in the bank, he implants that in the morgue. Now, somewhere across town, one of the shapeshifters plants the third device in an electrical box on a telephone pole. So we n- know that that the one of those shapeshifters went to an, um, the... Um, one of those guys that worked for the electric company and shifted it into his body so he could get up on that pole and plant that third device. Mm-hmm. Now back at the lab, Walter is trying to demonstrate to Peter and Olivia how he and William Bell were able to transport a car into the other universe by making it vibrate at the proper frequency. And he suggests that Newton may be trying the same thing by setting up three carefully positioned harmonic rods throughout the city. And with two of the Rod's uh, 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 places known, they already know about the morgue and the bank, Peter pulls out a map and he starts triangulating the center of uh, Newton's portal. And they realize that it's going to be a bridge on the Charles River. And that was a pretty cool scene where uh, uh, Peter has that knowledge to triangulate all that. So the team, the fringe team, rushes over to the bridge and they, of course, have a shootout with two of those shapeshifters who have shifted into uh, police officers. And, um, <clears throat> of course, Olivia tells Walter to stay in the car, but, of course, he's not going to do that. And Walter is preparing a mnemonic hammer that will nullify Newton's frequency. But the hammer doesn't work properly, and so Peter jumps in to help. And Peter tells everyone to get out of the area and, uh, uh, of course, Walter does not want to go. He doesn't want to leave Peter there, but Peter says, I can do this. You know, everybody else go back. So Olivia pulls Walter back to a safe distance because, you know, Walter has already explained to them that if you are anywhere near, you're human and you're anywhere near this, um, pneumatic hammer, when it actually is activated, then it would it will split away all your atoms and you just be vaporized more or less, you know? And so he's of course, very worried about, uh, Peter, but anyway so you know Olivia pulls Walter back and they, they're at a safe distance and Newton has now turned on his harmonic rods and there is a shock wave that ripples starts rippling across that Charles River and of course they're they're noticing this so Peter is working feverishly trying to get his little mnemonic hammer to to block that and uh uh but right now, standing right near Peter, as this shockwave rips across the the river, there's an FBI agent standing there, and he is torn apart by that blast. I mean, he is just disintegrated like in these little black cloud of dust. But miraculously, of course, Peter remains normal. He he remains his same self. So Peter uh, gets back on the computer, and he succeeds in activating that little hammer thing. But It was a little too late, not before, that whatever Newton was bringing over was already brought over. And Peter got just a really faint glimpse of what Newton was bringing over and he sees the figure of a man, just one man uh, on the bridge. Now, but Peter is knocked unconscious on the bridge by the second shock wave. And so, you know, that's the end of that scene. And next time we see Peter, he wakes up in the hospital. And, uh, Olivia is there in the room and, and she's glad that Peter is okay and everything, you know, and said he's been out for a while and they were worried about him. And Peter's kind of, you know, terse a little bit. And, and he says, uh, you know, as Walter outside, I need to see him. And so Walter comes in and he's smiling and he's greeting Peter, but Peter is really cold. He is staring at Walter coldly and Peter confronts Walter and says okay when he didn't die on the bridge the same way that that FBI guy did he realized then that he was not from this universe and he was from the alternate universe and of course Walter begins to kind of mist up a little bit and get afraid and but he confirms it, I mean, he has to tell him the truth. He says, yeah, you know, son, and, 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 and Peter said, don't call me son, and he disowns Walter, and he tells Walter that he wants to be left alone. Please leave, he wants to be left alone. So Walter, of course, is real sad, and he, he leaves out of the room. Now, in another recovery room somewhere in that town, it's probably on a different part of the town, Newton is nursing the man he brought back over uh, from the, from the uh, alternate universe. And he's calling him the secretary. It's the secretary. Now, the next day, when Olivia goes to visit uh, uh, Walter at his house, she has to tell Walter that Peter checked himself out of the hospital and he has disappeared. And that's the end of that episode. So we know two things that Peter knows about himself. And he is mad at Walter. So that's the end of episode number 19, The Man from the Other Side. The next episode we have is Fringe episode number 20 called Brown Betty. This was a fun, campy episode. And he's trying to, uh, Walter is trying to, you know, feel better about Peter's disappearance and stuff. So he goes on a drug trip, of course. And he got high on something and um, when Olivia brings little, uh, her little young niece Ella, that cute little girl, over, uh, she says, you know, she forgot that her sister had to go out of town for some conference. So she needed, you know, someone to watch little Ella while she went to the office and stuff. And, of course, Astrid is there and Astrid says, oh, sure, you know, I'll watch her. But then, of course, Ella's uh, telling Uncle Walter, why don't you tell me a story? So Walter concocts this elaborate little fairy tale for little Ella, and it really, really is cute. It revolves around a private detective named Olivia Dunham, of course, who takes the case of a missing person named Peter Bishop. Olivia goes to visit Lieutenant Broyles at a piano bar and we see Broyles playing the piano and singing and she shows him a logo that she found in Peter's apartment and Broyles tells her that the logo belongs to massive dynamic. And of course, the the, um, the girlfriend of Peter Bishop is is played by Olivia's sister and she's the one who contracted Olivia. Because she's, you know, afraid that uh, or sad that her boyfriend is missing. So Olivia goes to meet with Nina Sharp at Amasic Dynamics. And she warned, Nina Sharp warns Olivia in this story that Peter is a dangerous con man and is probably up to no good. Olivia calls Peter's uh, girlfriend, Rachel, and she hears signs of a struggle and stuff on the phone. So she rushes over to Rachel's house but it's too late. Uh, Rachel's heart has been surgically removed from her chest. Mm. Now, at the scene of the crime, Lieutenant Broyles tells Olivia that Rachel was not actually Peter's sweetheart, but instead a hired actress. He then tells Olivia to back off her her investigation. Olivia leaves, but not before she uh, swipes Rachel's little date book. So... In her car, she's looking inside the date book that, uh, of Rachel's and she finds a check from Walter Bishop, who is a mad scientist responsible for inventing bubble gum, rainbows and singing corpses. And we get these three corpses in Walter's lab, sit up and sing this song. It's really silly. Next, Olivia meets with Walter, who explains that Peter was his trusty lab assistant before he disappeared one night, along with Walter's magical glass heart. He said, I treated that boy like a son. Mm -hmm. So out in the parking lot, Olivia is attacked by a man who is using the same type of laser weapon that was used to kill Rachel. Olivia does a little research, and she finds out that that weapon was patented by Massive Dynamics. So, of course, she goes back to Massive Dynamics and confronts Nina Sharp about the weapon. And Nina tells her that one of their prototypes was stolen by a group of men called the Watchers. And Olivia follows Nina back to her house and eavesdrops on a conversation that Nina Sharp has with William Bell via a window to the other side or the alternate universe. Nina tells Belle that Peter is in possession of a glass heart and that if they can acquire it from him, they'll be able to create a portal between universes and finally reunite with one another. Hmm. But before Olivia can do anything about it, she is knocked unconscious. When she awakens, she's on a boat where Nina Sharp and one of those watchers has put her in a coffin and they toss that coffin out into the water, into the ocean. Oh, it's awful. And of course, Olivia's banging on the coffin and everything and all of a sudden, she feels somebody taking the lid off and she is saved in the nick of time by Peter. And Peter, of course, takes her back to his hideout. Now, while at the hideout, Peter explains to Olivia, that Walter is not what he appears to be and that he is only able to create wondrous things because he has been robbing children of their ideas for years. Peter then tells Olivia that he was born with the glass heart and he had originally given it to Walter, but he decided to take it back after uh, finding out Walter's ugly secret about stealing them kids ideas. So Peter's hideout though They they must have been followed because it's invaded by the watchers. And they steal the glass heart right out from Peter's chest. Mm. Olivia saves Peter by wiring him up to a few batteries. But this is only a temporary solution. So she tells Peter that she knows who has his heart. So next, Olivia and Peter burst into Walter's lab and they find him holding the glass heart. Peter takes it from Walter, and Walter pleads that he can change his evil ways if given a chance. Peter walks out, leaving Walter all alone. And at this point in the story, little Ella is saying that uh, Walter doesn't know how to tell a story. uh, You know, all stories... Start with once upon a time and they end with happily ever after. So she says, let me tell you how it ends. So according to little Ella, Peter decides to forgive Walter and then he splits the heart, the glass heart in half and he gives a half of it to Walter and then he keeps the other half. Walter tells Ella that he approves of her happy ending. About that time, Olivia walks in and tells Walter that she hasn't had any luck in finding Peter. Mm. Now, outside the house, unbeknownst to everybody, one of those observers is watching Walter. And this observer calls one of his colleagues and reports back that he is very concerned because Peter has not yet returned that's the end of that episode. So that was a pretty good episode. It's kind of a throwaway episode, but that was uh, episode 20, Brown Betty. And Brown Betty actually was the drug that uh, Walter had uh, used. <laughs> that was the name of the drug. Okay, next we have Fringe episode number 21, Northwest Passage. This was a very interesting episode. Uh, we see that Peter has run on off now, and he is on the road in Washington State. And Peter is at this diner, and he meets a waitress named Krista. And they kind of flirt back and forth with each other. And she tells him that uh, she is known for her uh, playlist. She makes um, musical uh, uh, CDs for different, uh, her regular customers, you know, based upon the aura that she sees around them. And so she asked Peter if, if uh, he wants her to make a, a, a playlist. And he says, sure, and, and, and told her that he was staying at the Drake Motel. And she says, well, I'll, I'll stop it by, bring it by after my shift is over. Well, when she doesn't show up at his motel that night, of course she doesn't. Because uh, so we see this figure <clears throat> coming toward Krista as she's getting into her car, leaving for the night. The Next thing we know, her car door is open and there's nobody around. But um, Peter has slept on the little lobby couch all night waiting for Krista Uh, and he was waiting for her and of course he just fell asleep so you know (coughs) so he asked the next morning um you know did a cute woman come in looking for me and of course the, the the little uh desk clerk says no And so, you know, Peter's laughing at himself like, oh, yeah, I should have known she wasn't going to do it. So he's driving out of town, but he sees that there's a whole bunch of sheriffs and everything. Anyway, after Krista turns up dead with a piece of her skull opened up by a a surgical instrument, then Peter, of course, is brought in for questioning by this local sheriff, Mathis, this woman sheriff, because he was the last person that she uh, that that, um, he was the last person seen with her. And when Peter tells them, "Well, yeah, you know, <clears throat> she was supposed to meet me at my hotel and stuff and and they drive to the scene where they found a woman's body, and of course, they make Peter stay in the patrol car and he hears on the police radio that some kind of surgical instrument was uh, was used on her skull, then he's asking the sheriff to ask the coroner if a part of crystal's Krista's uh, temporal lobe was missing and then he sees Newton at that crime scene so <clears throat> he's thinking Newton is the one doing these surgeries because if you recall Newton was the one that was taking those little pieces of brain out of everybody's uh, skull including Walter all those people in the mental hospitals and stuff now when Peter knows that part of Krista's temporal lobe is is missing then you know he agrees to help Mathis solve this case because he's thinking that Newton is the one using, uh, uh, or Newton is the one taking these, uh, uh, doing these surgeries on the people trying to track down Peter. That's what he thinks. So Peter does call broils. But he tells Broyles not to tell Walter where he's at. But he does tell Broyles that he's in Washington State and that he's going to get a call from a sheriff. And he just wanted him to verify his credentials and stuff. And, of course, Broyles says, you know, yeah, I'll tell her to extend you every single courtesy. So uh, Peter sees that Mathis' partner, Ferguson, with Newton. And then another dead girl named Gwen is found. But Peter doesn't recognize this little girl, and he doesn't know what connection he would have to her. So he questions Gwen's sister, Heather, but, you know, she goes missing too. So Peter does tests on the two dead bodies for adrenaline spikes, and he says that, you know, they would be having adrenaline spikes right before they were killed and probably at the moment they were killed. And he it uses these adrenaline spikes to tri- triangulate on a map once again, trying to figure out where Newton may have killed these people because the adrenaline uh, uh, spikes in the tissues would only last X amount of time and after that, of course it would it would like decompose or you know go away. So he takes that information. And uses it to try to figure out where around that area could these uh, women be, uh, could these surgeries be taking places. Because all these people have their front frontal lobes missing, you know, temporal lobes missing. So Peter and Mathis, they track down a farmhouse in the area. And they find out that Ferguson, who is the deputy sheriff, he is strapped to a surgical chair. But it is not the work of the shapeshifters like Peter thought. But it's a local psychopath using human pineal glands for virility. That is so awful. And when they go into this little abandoned dairy farmhouse, they see all kind of bottles of um, bloody parts and stuff. It is really disgusting. So next we see that Walter, he is so upset about Peter being gone and he's in a grocery store. He's reading a pack of like uh, Pop-Tarts and he is complaining loudly about bromide being an ingredient in these little Pop-Tart pastry things. And he's kind of go on off and everybody's, you know, kind of looking at him strange and, and the little um, store clerk goes and gets security. And of course Walter is arrested and uh, Walter is so worried once Olivia goes and bails him out and gets him and and takes him home. He is so worried that he's going to be sent back to St. Clair's and Olivia assures him that she will not let that happen. So, you know, they look into Walter's house, they take him home and there's just junk everywhere. And Walter of course just says, well, I, you know, I wasn't expecting any guests, but they could see that he just cannot function in his house alone. Astrid opens the refrigerator. There's nothing in the whole refrigerator, but a rotten piece of fruit. That's it. That's the only thing in there. And she just looks so sad. So Astrid tells him that, you know, she, she can help him get back on track. And Walter, of course, is, you know, embarrassing and stuff and, and he says, well, you know, I can't call, the, call you every time I, I'm running out of pudding pops. And Olivia says, oh, yes, you can. That's what you're supposed to do. So after it's going to be there cleaning up his little house and helping him get ready. And so, you know, Walter is very appreciative of Astrid, and we see him drying some dishes and, and, and munching on one of those little uh, uh, fudge bars, you know, as he's drying the dishes and stuff. And Astrid's telling him, you know, that he can, he can do whatever he sets his mind to do. And Walter decides, oh, I know what I need to do. I need to build a device to, to detect the objects from the other side, and that way we can find Peter. So he begins, he tells Olivia to bring all, uh, excuse me, he tells Astrid to bring all these different equipments and all the items that he has taken from the alternate universe over to the lab, and he's going to begin. And he has all these computations and everything, and he is going to do the experiment for the lab, but when when Astrid goes to the computer to check all this stuff, and he says, okay, let's start the experiment, she says, "Uh, Walter, all these all these measurements are are not correct, and he says, "Oh, of course they are and she says, "No, they're not correct, but I suspect you already knew that and and so Astrid's determined that you know Walter put in the wrong information because he really doesn't want the the experiment to go well because Walter confesses that he's afraid that all of his hope will be gone if he actually Finds Peter because now he has hope that Peter will come back and everything. But if he meets Peter again or or you know finds out where Peter is and Peter won't forgive him, then he's lost all hope and everything. But before Walter can can finish his little um, experiment, Olivia learns from Broyles that Peter did call Broyles and that Peter is in Washington State. So she comes into the lab and says, "Okay, Walter." I know where Peter is. He's in Washington state, I'm flying out immediately. You wanna go with me? And of course Walter says, uh, I gotta pack a bag. So uh, Walter goes home to you know, pack his little bag. <clears throat> now we're in the hospital, oh, excuse me. Now we're back at um, Peter's hotel room and Newton uh, has come in. Peter is laying down. He put the, the playlist CD that this Krista had made for him into a portable CD, and he put the headphones on, and he's laying down on, on the uh, motel bed, you know, listening to the to the music and stuff. And, of course, Newton appears in his room, and and Peter is really scared. And he goes to reach for his gun, but Newton's got the drop on him, and he says, Mr. Secretary. And in walks Walter, you know, Walter from the alternate universe. He comes walking up, and he says, Hello, son. And, um, ooh, Peter won't be able to return to this world. Well, he tells Peter, he says, um, I need your help. You need to come to the alternate universe with me, but you won't be able to ever come back. And Peter agrees to go. That's the end of Northwest Passage. That was a pretty good episode. It's kind of bloody and stuff, but it was a pretty good episode. Now we come up on the two-part finale episodes, and it happened in two parts. And Fringe episode number 22 is Over There Part 1. So we're going to have an Over There Part 2, but this is Over There Part 1. And we see that in the parallel universe, the New York City fringe team, under the jurisdiction of the Department of Defense, is alerted about a breach in their system. And the alternate versions of Charlie, member Charlie, who in our universe, he's dead, but in the alternate universe, Charlie's very much alive, but he's got some kind of worms or something and a big old scar down his face. But versions, alternate versions of Charlie and Olivia, AKA, her name is Bolivia in the alternate, they are leading a SWAT team and they're accompanied by another agent, Lincoln Lee, who uses equipment to monitor things that they call an event and Lincoln it, uh, seems to be the leader of this group, and he sends his feed from the site to Colonel Broyles. Broyles is the colonel, he's dressed all in black and, and look like he's ready to fight, who consults with the alternate world Astrid. And Astrid is some kind of uh, they all wear these little berets, <clears throat> like uh, marines or something, and she's some kind of uh, computer type whiz and she's sitting at a screen with all these figures moving like at the speed of light looks to me and everything and she's calculating and Broyles, colonel Broyles, is asking her okay what is your recommendation do we quarantine the area what is your recommendation and she's saying uh, calculating you know so she calculates the possible casualties if they quarantine and and then she says but you know no quarantine is needed because um the event has terminated. And so Broyles communicates that to the Lee and they turn off their little gizmo that was going to, I think, irradiate the whole area or something. Now, <clears throat> at the site, which is in this big theater, Charlie finds a man whose face is covered in tumors. Bolivia and Lincoln are confused when the man has a driver's license from our side of course because they don't have a driver's license over there they have a they have a show me which is this little card thing that they scan but it's called a show me and uh then uh bolivia takes out money a 20 dollar bill from the man's the dead man's a uh, wallet and so lincoln is saying who the hell is jackson because he's on our money and then they're looking at um They don't know that they're looking at a former president on a $20 bill. Now, the alternate world agents, they do not see Walter, Olivia, and two other uh, of those cortex found children, of which we'll get to, uh, up in the gallery, and they're hiding. But Olivia's peeking over, down, looking at alternate Charlie, her alternate self, Bolivia, and uh, the other agents. Then we have a scene that shows us what happened 36 hours earlier. And 36 hours before this, Walter is watching surveillance footage of Walternet taking Peter to the other side. And Walter and Olivia look at the drawing that the Observer September left. Now, if you recall, Olivia was in a bar having a drink probably thinking, you know, sad over Peter being gone and stuff. And the Observer, September, came into the bar. He walked past her. He left this drawing on the seat next to her and went slowly out. She didn't even notice anything until he went around the bar to go out the door. And then she realized it was an Observer. She got up to go, you know, get him. And she noticed there was something on the seat. And so she took that drawing to... Walter and Walter remembers that the observer had warned him that Peter must never go back over to the other side because they, uh, because then it would be catastrophic, um, uh, 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 uh consequences. So they have to figure out how to get Peter back. So, Olivia. Walter and Broyles, they storm into massive dynamics. They storm past security and they show Nina that drawing and they demand to know, or Broyles demands to know why they built building such a weapon. And she recognizes this drawing as William Bell's technology, but she says they did not build it. And this drawing shows a big massive machine. It kind of looks like, uh, oh, it kind of looks like, uh, like the shape of a hot air balloon but everything's metal and it looks like that Peter is the main focal point like if you put a a dynamite in the middle of a bomb that you're making to activate the bomb and it looks like from this drawing that this device is going to be activated by Peter that's what the drawing is and um, so You know, Nina's trying to assure them, well, yeah, she's seen this design, but you know, they didn't build it. This was William Bell's technology. Uh, So they go to their lab where Brandon, the little um, uh, science geek, he explains to them that to cross over to the other side, an entity's cells need to separate and may not come back together with the same cohesion. And Brandon suspects that William Bell crossed over to the alternate universe so many times that he may be degenerating. And this could be the reason why he won't return to our uh, universe. So Nina says that Olivia and the other Cortexophan children have the ability to cross over without causing, you know, damage and stuff. Um, And a number of them, and so Olivia says, well, yeah, that's probably true, but, you know, all of them are dead and gone now. And so Broyles looks at Olivia and looks at Nina and says, well... That's not exactly true. There are a number of them. And they're working to create enough energy for things to work. So Broyles shows Olivia that massive dynamic has helped more former Cortex fan kids regain control of their abilities. Mm -hmm. And one of them, Nick... He knows Olive, or Olivia, as Olive, because if you recall, when Olivia was back in Jacksonville, we learned that as a child, she was called Olive, so they're kind of reuniting and stuff. The other two Cortexafan children are James and Sally, and... uh, James is a healer. He can touch a person and heal them of whatever sickness. And Sally is a pyrotechnic. She can, she can uh, 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 you know, use her abilities cre- to create balls of fire. So that's, that's her ability. So Broyles brings all of the subjects to a new fringe situation room. And the three cortexafan subjects, of course, see Walter and recognize Walter as the one who who experimented on them when they were children. But, you know, Walter tells them, you know, what he did, he knows. They had no idea that it was going to, like, ruin the kid's life. And he says, I have no no right to ask you to help me save my son, but, you know, I am sorry for whatever we did to you. And, of course, they all agree to, you know, help him. And so they say, Broyles is telling them, well, you know, we're going to start in the morning at 8 o'clock. Y'all need to get some rest. And um, Nick is saying, well, you know, since this is the last night that we may be around, can we do what we want? And so Royals tells the guards and stuff, security, okay, give them whatever they want. So that night, James, the healer, he goes to the hospital, and he uses all of his powers to cure all the dying patients. And he's curing this one woman, and he's telling her that, you know, I've never been... I've never been a lucky person, but you know, I can help other people. And, and, uh, but Nick and Sally, they go to a hotel room and they're having sex and stuff with all their power and abilities. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what Olivia does is she goes uh, to see her little niece, Ella, and she gives her this cross on a chain that Olivia's mother had given to her. And she explains to Ella that it's Ella's grandmother and then Olivia says goodbye to her and then she says goodbye to her sister Rachel uh, not knowing of course if she's going to ever see him again or not and of course as Olivia leaves then little Ella comes out and says oh mommy look what uh Aunt Olivia gave me and her sister Rachel recognizes that it's the cross that their mother gave to Olivia so she's looking worried like uh-oh you know what kind of case is she working on mm. So, Nina Sharp, in the meantime, at Massive Dynamics, she has sent word to William Bell to meet the fringe team crossing over, but they aren't even sure if he will even get the message. But, you know, they're supposed to meet him in Central Park. So, Broyles is concerned that Olivia doesn't have any real plan once they do get to the other side. And, you know, she says, well, you know, yeah, we really don't, but we just got to get Peter. And so, Walter... They're in this big, huge theater in Brooklyn, and Walter is coaching Olivia, Nick, Sally, and James on making their imaginations focus on allowing the universe to slip right through them, just like water, you know. And uh, as they're doing this, James collapses to the floor, and tumors start popping up all over his face and hands and stuff. And they, But he looks up out the ceiling of this uh, big huge theater and they recognize that they have crossed over because there are are sirens, there are these two blimp figures flying over the city and everything, so they have to hurry up and get up and go hide up in the balcony uh, because they hear these sirens approaching. And of course, steam is rising from little Sally's body, so she's the pyrotechnic person. Her ability is to fire, but you can see steam's rising from her, so she's kind of damaged herself in some kind of way Although she didn't die and get the cancers like James, but there's some kind of damage was done to her when they crossed over to the alternate universe. Um, Both Nick and Olivia appear to be fine and able-bodied, so they crossed over just fine. And, of course, Walter crossed over just fine as well. Um, So they all go and hide. And then the alternate world friend squad... They're bending over, examining James's body as Walter, Olivia, Nick, and Sally hide up in the balcony. And Olivia compares James's $20 bill to her $20 bill, which has Martin Luther King Jr. picture on it <laughs> instead of Andrew Jackson. So she scans it in a monitor, but she thinks it's merely just a counterfeit and doesn't recognize that it might be from an alternate world or something. So an alarm is triggered at the alternate uh, universe's Department of Defense as the Jackson uh, $20 bill appears on the screen. So there's an alarm that's triggered. So Colonel Broyles alerts his agents that the Secretary of Defense wants to see them because of what they found. Mm-hmm. So they have to go meet the Secretary, and, you know, they they they're kind of, in awe of the secretary. So, Bolivia, alternate Charlie, and Lincoln, they go to the, Depart- the Department of Defense and they meet with the secretary, who is the alternate, alternate Walter. And Walternet tells them that their fringe division which started in 1985 to handle natural environmental disasters caused by uh, holes in the universe, is based on his writings, which are actually a lie. And that the holes were not natural, but they were caused by men, and that they lead to a parallel earth just like theirs, and and Waltonet tells them that those men who are attempting to cross over into their world, they're about to start a war, and he orders the agents to go and find these invaders and apprehend them. Next, we have Peter, who is awakening in an alternate universe, and he's in the Bishop Mansion, and it's a beautiful mansion, too, and he uh, finds himself in a bed connected to medical equipment, and it's, it's uh, tracking his uh, temporal acclimation, if you will, and he has been asleep. We find out that he has been asleep for three days, but Peter gets out of the bed, and he kind of tiptoes into the kitchen and he sees his mother cooking and oh it is such a touching scene Uh, and he goes and he talks with his mother and they're a little bit awkward and stuff you know because he's been gone so many years and he's just like in awe of his mother and and so that that they hug each other and she's kind of crying and he's kind of crying because you know they haven't seen each other in over 20 years so she wants to hear all about his childhood and everything and and Peter tells her that that his mother from the other side uh you know was was a good mother to him and everything but but she was not as strong as as you know Elizabeth his, his his real mother, and that um, she committed suicide, and he kind of takes the blame for his mother committing suicide because she recognized that he was the alternate Peter, and you know she just was so sad, and he said she was just always so sad, so <clears throat> next we see that Walter and Olivia and the two cortexafan children, uh, uh, Nick and Sally, they are. Uh, forced to walk across New York to Central Park because they can't take any public transportation. They don't have any money, and they don't have any ID. Because when when you got on the bus, it, sh- it says to show your, your show me. So you have to show that ID, and, of course, they don't have any. And so Sally, of course, is getting more feverish and more feverish, and she's stumbling around, and so... You know, she denies it, though, when Walter asks if they've exerted their abilities before they crossed over. And uh, Walter hopes that maybe William Bell can help Sally uh, once they do find him. So, you know, Sally's eyes are beginning to fill with blood, and she is just in a mess. And, of course, Nick is, you know, helping her to, to walk and everything. Well, they finally make their way to Central Park, but Lincoln and his team they're there waiting with the police back up, so they're wondering were they portrayed by uh, uh were they betrayed by William Bell or what so Walter and Olivia run off into the park, but Lincoln is confronting Nick and Sally, and uh because you know Sally's real sick and everything, and so Lincoln shoots Nick and then he recognizes him mhm, so he is he has shot Nick, and Nick is, of course, laying on the ground dying, and Sally is, of course, heartbroken, but she forces she forces herself, though. She bursts into flames, and then she engulfs Lincoln, and she burns him over, over 90, 95% of his body. He's just burnt to a little crisp, but he's not dead. So then Bolivia shoots. We see that Bolivia, which is the alternate Olivia, is shooting at Walter in the park but he he gets away he runs away so she is surrounded to where Lincoln's charred body lays or she is summoned to where Lincoln's charred body lays and you know she Lincoln's trying to say something but of course he can't quite talk so we realize and she realizes that he's still alive. Ooh. Next we have that alternate. He, is, he leaves a technical blueprint or he has left a technical blueprint for Peter. And Peter's mom has given him this, this whole little case and says, oh, Walter is going to spend the night in town, but he left this for you to, to look over. And what it is, it's all the schematics for that weapon or the drawing that the observer had given Olivia. It's, it's all the schematics for that weapon and stuff. And it's the same sketch. And uh, so Peter is, you know, going over the blueprints and, and, and looking at all the computations and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, with back to Walter, as Walter is walking the city streets, because, you know, him and Olivia got separated. As Walter is walking around, Walter realizes that he's been shot. But he's walking to the hospital, and he falls right near a hospital. So, you know, poor Walter. They're going to be taking him into the hospital and, of course, treating him. And, of course, then they're going to recognize, hey, he looks like the secretary. But anyway. but And, and then we see that Olivia has uh, uh, went into a phone booth and she is looking up bolivia's address or her address in that alternate universe on this digital uh, directory and but meanwhile we go to bolivia's um, house apartment and we see that she's returned home and she has a boyfriend named frank and she's you know kind of telling him a little bit about the events of her day but uh, he tells her that uh, he's got to leave in the morning and stuff but you know they could, they got the night together And outside her apartment, we see Olivia standing outside with her little hoodie up, watching them from the street. But all of a sudden, she is startled when William Bell walks up. And he says that, you know, he did not set them up, that by the time he got to Central Park, it was too late. Those other people was already there. So William Bell said he only missed them by just a fraction of a minute, you know. But he warns Olivia that Walter is in trouble and that they don't have much time. So, you know, they gotta go. The last scene of this episode, we see Walter He is entering this chamber at the Department of Defense. And we see also that the weapon in the sketch has already been built. And that's the end of part one of Over There. Okay, now we're to the actual finale which is, or part two of the actual finale, which is Fringe, episode number 23, Over There, part two. This is it. <clears throat> now, in this episode, Walter is is called and told that he is at the hospital. Of course, we know he means his alternate self. William Bell and Olivia, though, rescue Walter from the hospital before anybody can get there. And, of course, Walternet lies, and he tells Peter that the machine can be used to heal the other world. But he knows that the machine will destroy the other universe. So it's going to destroy our universe, so the alternate universe will be the only one there. And so Peter, unbeknownst to him, he offers to fix the machine since it doesn't seem to work. The alter Olivia, or Bolivia, and Charlie, they're unable to capture the real Walter, but the alter Olivia, or Bolivia, sees a surveillance shot of Olivia and Walter, and she goes to confront Walter. Peter meets with the alternate Olivia, who drives him to his new apartment. hmm And Walter and Belle go to Harvard to collect equipment needed to return home. Mm -hmm. So Walter and William Bell have met and kind of reconciled and they're going to get the equipment that they need to return everybody to home. And Walter reveals that his intense dislike for William Bell. And he says he considers him to be a selfish war profiteer while Walter was locked away for 17 years and he's still kind of like broken inside. Well, William Bell reveals that the alternate universe equivalent of himself died in a car accident as a young man. Mm. So Olivia confronts the alter Olivia who recognizes that Olivia, the real Olivia, has feelings for Peter. And after both of them fight, the real Olivia Knocks out the alternate Olivia, and then the real Olivia dyes her hair to match the alternate Olivia, and she steals her clothes. Uh, and in the meantime, though, Peter has discovered that the machine is a symbiotic machine and it needs a, spe- a specific human being to control it. And then he recognizes that it's him. Now, the real Olivia. And the oblivious alter Charlie, they go to collect Peter to move him for his own safety because Olivia is now pretending to be the alternate Olivia. So once they get there, Olivia knocks out Charlie and she reveals herself to Peter saying that she's the real Olivia and that she reveals the truth about the device and Walter's plans for Peter. That Peter's going to be the one to destroy the world. And Peter states that he doesn't belong in the other universe. Or Olivia's universe. And Olivia tells him, but you belong with me. And she kisses him, revealing her true feelings for Peter. So Peter leaves with Olivia and they race up to meet with Walter and William Bell at that opera house in Brooklyn. However... The alternate Olivia and a team of fringe commandos they catch up with them, so Bell William Bell, and the real Olivia hold off the assault while Peter and Walter set up the device that we, that that will return them back home and In an explosion, William Bell is knocked unconscious and awakens to find Olivia standing over him she and Bell, uh, Olivia and William Bell join Walter and Peter inside. And Bell uses himself inside the Opera House. And William Bell uses himself, uh, although he's unstable due to the constant travel that he has done back and forth between the universes, but he uses himself to fuel the machine with a nuclear reaction. Action, but William Bell dies in the process. That's too bad. But before dying, William Bell reveals that he took Walter's memories away from, at Walter's own request. Uh, so Walter requested that William Bell take his memories away. And Walter tells him that he was wrong about him and that he forgives William. Now, Olivia, Walter, and Peter step through and Olivia looks around in wonderment. Astrid welcomes Peter back at the lab and Peter tells Walter that he'll never understand him but that Walter traveled into another universe twice to save him, which counts for something. So Peter does forgive Walter and, oh, that's a beautiful thing. So Olivia, which is, we know or we find out, she's the alternate Olivia, but she's pretending to be the real Olivia. Olivia goes to that typewriter shop And she awaits orders from the alternate universe that we now know is Walternet. And is revealed at that time, see, she's revealed to be the alternate Olivia. And she's going to infiltrate the other side. Now, the real Olivia from our world, she's seen in a military detention center on the other side of the universe. And Walternet goes to visit her. And he stares at her without even speaking. And then he leaves her in the dark in an isolation confinement room. That's the end of the episode.
1: Who that was a great recap, Sister Jane. Thank you so much for doing that. It was kind of long, but hey. No, it needed to be done. I didn't realize we had, what, six? Seven. So many episodes that we I had know. not covered. So that is totally... Um, Yep. Our fault, and we apologize, but we're getting back on track for this season. Yes. So, you want to start with episode um 17. Olivia, 17. Mm-hmm. Fringe episode 17. Mm-hmm. Olivia in the lab with the revolver. Yeah. Well, what do you want to say about it? Well, I, I like this episode. It was a little bit nasty, if I recall, mm-hmm. because every time you would touch someone, they would just start breaking out and hives and nasty. Well it was it was cancer cancer tumors. Yes, but it just mm-hmm. at first you didn't know what it was. It was exactly. up skin and stuff. Exactly. So it's back to our nasty fringe. Mm-hmm. But it was a good episode and it kind of brought us back to our main story which was the Cortexophan trials that Olivia was a part of. And I I kinda liked that.
0: Well I liked it because I liked the um I liked the underlying story which was the the turmoil she felt about telling Peter or not telling Peter. And I really, you know, to me, what really pointed up that scene or or that dilemma for her is when she went to see Nina Sharp. I love Nina Sharp. I love that character. And I mean, Nina Sharp is sharp. And she said, you know, you did not come here to ask me to give you a list that you already knew I didn't have. You came here to see if I would talk you out of telling Peter. Which I thought was pretty insightful of her. Uh So I like that. But yeah, the overall episode, other than the nastiness part, because they always have that nastiness part, you know, um, was really good. Uh, I, I felt sorry for Walter, though. Of course, I always feel sorry for Walter.
1: <laughs> well, when she told him that she wanted to tell Peter, I know, and he was like, "Oh, please don't do that! Please don't do that!" I know. That you feel kind of sorry for him, but then as you think about it, you're like, "No, he needs to tell him. It's, it's, it's beyond time for him to."
0: Well, yeah, let he, him know. Right, he needed to tell him, but not Olivia. Olivia didn't need to. Do yeah, that. so, but. You know, that's about all I have to say about that one. I mean, yeah, me too. It, it wasn't one of my favorite ones. Now, the next episode, which is Fringe Episode 18, uh, 18 called White Tulip, that's one of my favorite episodes. Now, this I one. Really I really like that because I really like Peter Weller. Uh, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say.
1: I like Peter Weller, mm-hmm. although I did not like the nasty skin. Sewing so wires know, and crap things. Putting all those doing, electrodes in his skin. That was just and nasty. Stuff. Yeah. And when I watched it the first time, I was so confused because it was too much back and forth and I was trying oh, to figure out was what excellent. was going on. But when I watched it the second, you know, time, mm-hmm. that's when I really caught all the little details that oh, you need to catch. Yeah. It was And it was excellent. pretty good. It was pretty
0: good. It was and I love the fact that um he you know, went back on the train uh, after they raided his his uh, apartment and t- was taking all his research, and he popped back in time to the train and did it all over again. But this time he uh, took all his research and stuff. Yeah, you know, I just love like that. that part
1: because that's what you would do. You'd be like, oh,
0: okay, let me go back. And you know, not to be gruesome or nothing, but I really liked the ending where he finally went back to to where his fiance was and they both died. I thought that was good because Walter tried to warn him that yes, if you go far, uh, back that far in time, there's going to be consequences. Well,
1: no. I mean, Walter basically was trying to tell him the same thing that he knew cuz he's going through it, is there's going to be consequences to you messing this well, up. Well, changing what's supposed to happen yep. from happening yep. is going to cause some other stuff to happen. Well, but
0: see, I don't think and I don't when, think Dr. Peck actually believed that. I think what he was I think what Dr. Peck was thinking of is that people were going to die because when he popped on the train, everybody on the train died, and and because he told Walter nobody's going to die this time because I'm going to be in a field. There's nothing around but this hot air balloon and, and grass. I don't think he cared.
1: He didn't even care about the consequences. His grief was so big, which yeah. is which was a good underlying story because Walter mm-hmm. basically has the same story. His grief Mm -hmm. was so big that no matter what consequence it would cause or who else it might hurt, he was going to go do it because he wanted to get that loved one back. And that's what anybody would do if
0: they had the means and they knew how to do it. What I don't understand is why did he just get back in the car and just sit there holding her hand? He could have just snatched her out of the car. Yeah. And they got up on the sidewalk knowing what was coming. Maybe he wanted to go with her. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I thought at the end too. Yeah, he wanted it. That in. he wanted to go with her because he did not want to, you know, just live in in our reality like without her. Right. You know. Right.
1: But and I maybe thought he, maybe he thought that if he stayed in the car with her for the wreck, that would cause that would not uh, cause anyone else to be hurt. It would just be him and her.
0: No, no. So maybe that's maybe what he that's was it. trying to do. yeah maybe that's it because see that would have altered you know the timeline and a whole bunch of other stuff so maybe that's what he was calling himself to do but i i love the ending where you know his his little colleague sent that letter uh to walter man she had a lot of integrity though because that other professor said uh ain't you curious why don't you open it (laughs) And, oh no! And she said, "No, you know, if he wanted me to open it, then it would. He would have sealed it. all right or If you wanted me to see what's inside. So, I mean, she had a lot of integrity. But, and when Walter got that picture, I just, I almost cried for the him. Tulip. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was a picture of a white right. tulip. wasn't even a real tulip, you know. Right. But I thought that was so, so. That's what he was doing when those, uh, uh, when the French team was getting ready to come in on him. Right. Mm-hmm. Right." He was addressing that to Walter, so.
1: Okay. Okay, well, that's it for that one. one. And the next episode was episode 19, The Man from the Other Side. Mm -hmm. And this was the one where we were in the alternate universe Mm -hmm. and people were getting killed up by the shapeshifters. Yeah.
0: So that wasn't well, we weren't in the alternate universe. We were in this universe, but the, the shapeshifters came over. This is where oh, the that's teenagers, right. right? This is where the teenagers was way out in the country somewhere, like an old railroad track building or something. You know, it's old warehouses, and those shapeshifters uh, shifted. And this is the one where there were three shapeshifters, but only two made it through. And that one em- was still an embryo. That was nasty, though. I remember that now. That was nasty. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, they finally determined that um, an event was, was going to happen. Well, both universes would be in sync like at 3.30, what? 3.31 the next day. When both would be in sync. So, you know, they had to of course, you know, try to figure out what they were do, uh, uh, what those um, shapeshifters were doing, and of course, they were there to set up this little triangle shape of, of force field, if you will, so they could bring alternate Walter over to this reality, over to our universe. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Walternet, that's what they call him, Walternet. Walternet. Uh huh.
1: So that's what and that was. And then the about. other storyline was. Walter acting funny around Peter because he wanted to tell him but he couldn't tell him and he was scared to tell him and yep. he didn't want to hurt him and he didn't want to hurt himself and mm-hmm. so he's just acting hinky around Peter mm-hmm. and Peter trying to figure out why he's acting hinky, and he thinks it has something to do with
0: the mom and how she died
1: yep which of course we know is wrong
0: well but evidently he was told his mother died in a car wreck because he said He said, well, I already know that my mother committed suicide. She did not die in a car wreck like I was told. So somebody told him that. She died in a car wreck.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. And then um, we also get to see Newton again. He's back Mm -hmm. trying to help the shapeshifters do what they need to do. Mm -hmm.
0: Excuse me. But, you know, them shapeshifters wouldn't be so bad if they didn't have to kill the people. But they have to kill the people. Yeah, they do. See, they have to kill the people to take over their bodies. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's kind of a shame. But, I mean, Walter just cracks me the up. Good, the cool part about this episode was at the
1: end, of course, when, we, when they were trying to, to get to Newton and the other shapeshifter. And uh, Walter's trying to set up his equipment. Mm-hmm. And Peter steps in to help. Mm-hmm. And the bridge starts shifting shaking, shimmying. They're like, wait, no one can survive this and still be
0: here from this universe. And then we see that FBI agent disintegrate. Yes. Mm -hmm. But Peter's still there. So Peter knows. And so Peter, of
1: course, falls out. Remember, didn't he fall out? He's in the hospital. He falls out, ends up in the hospital, wakes up. Walter's there looking all nervous and worried and shit. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, since I'm still here, that means I ain't from here, does it?
0: Mm-hmm. And he done figured it out. I mean, you know, but Ooh, and he was yes. but Walter's face, though, oh, was I know. just, man, that, that's a good actor, though. But his face was just, you know, he was so happy that Peter was awake and well and everything. And Peter was t- <clears> throat> hot. Throat> I think he's more
1: angry that Walter didn't tell him. That's what he's angry about. That's what he's angry about. Well, all this his time, his feelings are hurt too. Yeah, yeah. all this time mm-hmm. that he's been feeling guilty yep. about not seeing Walter in the hospital, and all this time he's been feeling bad about mm-hmm. being a quote unquote bad son and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he finds out he's not even this Walter's son. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was hot. He was and then on. Olivia later finds out that he's done checked his ass out of the hospital and is gone.
0: Actually, I thought that was very good uh, 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 plot line. Yeah. For for a um, you know like for the end uh, to set up the next episode because because yeah because I'm thinking well yeah you'd be mad too oh
1: yeah. Mean, yeah you'd be real and then, mad. I like it because it didn't let him recover by the next episode no he wasn't mad in the last two minutes of this episode and then happy right. and then, happy then the sweat. next time right oh no he is mad he for is the mad rest of the of the whole season, season. so that gets us on to episode twenty. <laughs> called Brown Betty. Now to <laughs> me that was a throwaway episode. I liked it. I mean, it was cute. But, I liked but it. That's a throwaway episode. I, don't, I liked it. I didn't think it was throwaway because mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of tells a story and it kind of keeps it going without having to actually. I, I liked it. But anyway, so basically, Walter's upset and he's doing drugs and he's trying to console himself because Peter's gone and he knows Peter hates him and blah, blah,
0: blah. You now, Walter can mix up some drugs. Yes, he and can. And actually, that's the, that's the title. That's what the title of the episode is. That's the name of the drugs that he done mixed up. Brown Betty. And he is high as a kite when he's telling that kid this story. Ooh, Lord. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was okay. So, you know, but... I liked it because,
1: while it's basically um, Peter, or excuse me, Olivia brings Ella to the lab and then she gets... I already a- did the so You don't have to... Re- recap it. Well, I know, but this is what I'm going to tell people that I like the whole storytelling part mm-hmm. of Walter telling Ella the story and changing it around to where the names were a little bit different, but they were all No, um, they weren't. He said
0: there's a detective named Olivia Dunham. How's that different? But basically And a man named Peter Bishop. How's that
1: different? The point is it's supposed to be a make-believe story. It's not real. I well, Yeah, I know. For her. But, but. You know, eight. for her but I liked it I like the different kind of story like that I like seeing them with different personalities because that's actually the part about the alternate universe which we'll talk about later that I kind of like because we've seen these same characters for the past two seasons and then when we get to see them be a, totally different and we see the actors be totally different I like that so you want to skip this? yeah i skip it I liked it okay so the next one it's, well, oh, that's the one where... Um, Northern Passage, episode North, 21. Northwest. Why do you keep saying Northern? I don't know.
0: Northwest <laughs> Passage. Well, you know, you could have said it, but she's out ah, there. Northwest Passage. That's the one where Peter's on the run. Now, I really
1: like this episode. Yeah, this was really, really pretty now, good. And what I really liked about it was the actress playing the sheriff. Yeah, I like her. I really liked her. Mm -hmm. And I like the interaction between her and Peter. Mm -hmm. I also loved the... And it was only for a second in the episode. Flirtation between Peter and the waitress. Because we get to see... This is what I think we talked about last season that I like so much. I like it when they show... Yeah, I like all the friend science and all the stories Mm -hmm. and the mysteries. But they're just But I like it when they show them being normal people. Doing normal stuff. stuff. Flirting with a girl... Eating pie, mm-hmm. going bowling, yep. doing whatever, having fun time together. I like seeing Walter in the grocery store, even though he was butt-ass crazy. Oh, oh poor, poor Walter, though. Poor Walter. He just
0: wasn't, he, he just was, he's spiraling falling apart. He's yeah, spiraling out. Yeah, he was hitting, ooh, he just falling and apart. And
1: then Asher telling him, well, you know, your dishwasher will run better if you don't put dish liquid in it. You put dishwashing liquid in it. So, he yeah, that episode. was funny. That was funny. I like that. So, that's why I, I kind of like the episode. They're out of the lab. Mm-hmm. He's doing what he knows how to do, but it's in a different context because he's not with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Seeing them but, separate.
0: But he did have to call Broyles, though, just to get his shit together. Yeah. yeah. So he could verify his stuff. But I'm glad Broyles finally told Olivia, though. You know, because see, all of them work really, really closely together. And they have for a long time. They know that Walter's devastated. And even Olivia, you know, was worried about Peter. So I'm glad he finally told I her. I didn't like that part. I did. Broyles punk ass. No, <laughs> Broil should have told. Her. No,
1: should have told. No, yes, because yes, they are Peter 18. said, please don't tell nobody. This is my time. Shit. Well,
0: but he had some time. He had a couple, couple, three days, you know.
1: But the best, well, not the best, but one of the good parts of this episode to me was the end. I loved it. When he gets that C D well first of all oh, yeah when he go when they go to that farm and they're asking that dude questions about I knew he was Oh! And then all of a sudden he turns around and sees that C D mm-hmm. and you're like, What the fuck? That's- <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't cuss on this one like we do on the other one. Well, yeah. Excuse we can. me y'all. We can, but still. Anyway. And then you see the shadow of that fool coming at him with I a know, hammer. I know. I was like, oh, but anyway that was good That was good. Good. but then when he gets home he still has the cd or the hotel yeah. and he clicks it into his thing and he lays down because he ain't been sleeping and were you paying attention to the lyrics yeah they was talking about what's coming right exactly. Ooh, that's freaky yeah. yeah and then he happens to just look up and there's newton Ooh, with a gun. gun and then he says secretary he says mr secretary and there comes Walter Nett.
0: Mm-hmm. That, to me, was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, and Peter's just looking like... Peter's on like, Cuz well, he Because he, know, he knows he's from oh, the other side. He knows. See, so... Yeah, that was the best part of the whole thing. Yeah. that and the
1: girl i like the sheriff yeah and i've seen and she's someone from the 80s or 90s she's been in other movies mm-hmm. i just can't put my finger on her name mm-hmm. and i didn't look it up but she I made her. a really good sheriff she did i liked mm-hmm. it and i like they didn't try to make them lovey dovey she had mm-hmm. her own
0: shitting issues but mm-hmm. they still made them kind of close well i like little tight. i like little details like like when she was helping him in the lab, and her pen fell in all that brain matter. Yeah. And it said, "Find the crack." Right. And then she gave it to him at the end because you know that that's very meaningful. Yeah. For and him, only especially. He, and only he will know the meaning between. It's only between them two. Exactly. So, so you know, I like that. And and I thought it was really good when she was explaining to him, or you know, just talking to him at the end that. She's trying to tell him, look, you will find your place like I found mine. Because she said that when she was uh, 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 in college, uh, her whole family was killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they
1: also didn't touch on this, but maybe once in the episode, mm-hmm. that she believes and likes all that friend science stuff. Yeah. Now, this is UFOs what. You bows and stuff. Yeah. Okay, let's take a break for a second on the recap. This is what it struck me as. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's been a while, but do y'all remember um, Agent Jessup? yeah it reminded me of her because when she when they were they for a split second a good point. they talk about well you believe in all this friend the, the sheriff believed in all that friend science she looks up all that information ufos aliens mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. and so she kind of had this background about we trying to find out this higher purpose power something yeah especially coming from the tragedy that she had in college it reminded me of Agent Jessup who believed the same kind of stuff and right. who was trying to link this stuff to the Bible and stuff. We ain't seen shit of her yeah. since the first episode. What happened to her? To me, that was, I mean, they as dropped much the attention as they gave that character mm-hmm. in the first episode, she, we didn't see her again. We have not seen her. But that sheriff brought that kind of shit back brought it back up but I started one. thinking mm-hmm. okay, are they trying to bring this, wrap this back Yeah, because
0: remember she was trying to get into the fringe division. Yes. Mm-hmm. And because Olivia and was... And you one, are right, she was trying to link all those fringe well, think, episodes to to a, a, a scripture. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But and it was because Olivia was missing that they thought, well, we can, and Charlie was gone. Yeah. So we thought that she would make it, she wouldn't, you know, come into yeah. the fringe team, but no. Hmm. That's a good point. Anyway, I, I just like her. I like that sheriff. I hope mm-hmm. they can bring her back somehow, but I don't know how. Okay. Now, Anyway. Okay. Okay.
0: So now we're to the finale. And, and of course, the finale episode's in two parts. And, and part one is Fringe episode 22, which is over there, part one. And then, of course, the last episode's going to be over there, part two. So I like this. Now, this is totally in the parallel universe. And I like the way they did that. They showed us the parallel universe with the parallel people, and Broyles had me dying in this parallel universe. He's like a paramilitary person, you know. I liked all of them actually. Yeah, I did too. And I, was- I like seeing Charlie. Yes. Okay. But- now, but wait a minute. Okay.
1: What the hell up with Charlie? I was gonna ask you. He what- got some stuff. What are these thing- worms? What the hell is the worm? And he got to take shots and shit with it Like every hour, some huh uh huh, all day long. Uh huh. I, I, I don't. I was hoping they would explain that by the end of the the season finale, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And Olivia with bangs is cute. Yeah, they yeah, had to do okay. something to make it different in dark hair. Yeah, we had to make do something hair. to make it different. Mm-hmm. And I also like that other guy. I Can't think of his name. Who yeah. was the other guy on her team? Is that Lincoln. well,
0: the, the character's name was Lincoln Lee. Yeah, but I kind of liked him too. It was okay. Something different. But now this is what. This is what. I got a question about Lee. Okay, when the fringe team is in C- Central Park, going to to meet with William Bell, and of course the, uh, the that Lincoln Lee, you know, uh, uh, captures them and him and and Bo Livia, which is the alternate Livia, they are in there. Well, I'd rather say so Livia. Well, I, but her name is Bolivia, like B O. B- Bolivia, that's what her name is that's okay. what they call her Okay. but anyway, when they're on the bridge and this is after that Lincoln Lee has shot Nick and he gets closer to them and he says, hey I recognize you how do you recognize him? who was Nick in the alternate universe, because I didn't see any person that matched Nick but that's what that Lee guy said, hey, I recognize you I honestly don't know. See, and and so so that kind of confused me. That was right before that girl lit him up. Lit his ass. Mm, She lit him up. But, uh, yeah, see, so I didn't get that part. But I loved the whole part of they were in that theater, that old opera house, and there was an event. And evidently with their event, since since they had um, uh, 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 experience with it since our Walter, you know, has taken Peter and certain things happening in the alternate universe, they were going to irradiate the whole place. That's what that little yeah, thing was. I know. Damn.
1: And that would have meant they all would have went under. They all would have died. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently, what, a week or several weeks before, they had done
0: that yeah. and killed up like tens of thousands. Yeah, of yeah. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, Astrid's role mm-hmm. in the alternate universe. Mm-hmm. Because she she's like some kind of computer whiz, whiz or something. Yeah. Because he kept telling her, okay, what's your recommendation? Calcul-, and she, she kept saying calculating. You know, and she was looking at all the little computer stuff going up. And I just I just really liked the way they did the alternate uh, universe. And they're gonna alter selves. I, I yes. really like the way the other, they did that. The other story was Peter.
1: Yeah, you know, waking up in his house, house or mansion, their house. Oh, that's beautiful. And um, and seeing his mother, mm-hmm. who in our universe is gone, but mm-hmm. in this universe is alive and well. Mm-hmm. And her trying to what do you call it reconcile
0: what? with him. Well, of? well, no, I think she was trying to. Be gentle to ease into it because yeah, she didn't want to overwhelm him. I mean, she wanted to just grab him and say, "Oh, you! Know, I've missed you!" and tell him all the stuff. I'm sure, but I think she, because she's older and he's an adult, also that she she wanted to kind of ease into it for for his sake. And then she mm-hmm. was asking and he was
1: telling her how his mother, yeah, on that on the uh, other universe, because she asked, his, mm-hmm. "Was did you have a good life?" or "Did you have yeah." And his
0: and he said, well, you know, it was... T- well, no, he said, yes, my mother t- took care of me very well and stuff, but she was always sad. Said she was always sad. And then he told her, and she killed herself. She died. She committed suicide, you know. But I thought it was really cute how she was cooking food and, 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 and fixing him bacon, and she said, uh, y- you still eat bacon, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was I thought sweet. that was cute, you know, but... But the look on Peter's face, though, he did an excellent job in this episode, and especially when he was around his mom, because oh, yes. it was just like, it was just like wonderment. You know what I mean? Like, like a little kid who really likes Mickey Mouse, and they finally get to go to Disneyland. You know, yeah, that kind of look to me. I thought well, it was really good. Also, was like he was sad. Yeah, too. Yeah,
1: you know, and
0: I and then thought, there's wow. that uh,
1: scene where they they shoot
0: Walter. In the park, yeah, yeah but, Walter in the right. park. But what I liked about this scene is, or, or this episode is, they start in the alternate universe, and then we see when they're looking at one of the cortex fan kids who didn't make it through, and so he's got all those cancer, cancer tumors and stuff, you know, and and and, and the uh, their alternate selves is looking at him, uh-huh. and Olivia and uh, uh, Walter and the other two surviving. Uh, kids, who who is, I think, Sally and Nick, they're sneaking off, you know. And then it says 36 hours earlier. So then you got to see how they even decided to, all of them, uh, to go go over to the alternate universe because Olivia's in the bar just drinking, minding home business, probably feeling sorry that she can't find Peter. And uh, here comes uh, September. Yeah, one of the observers just walking through, just as easy as you breathe, and leaves that drawing on the bar Uh stool and keeps on walking. (laughs) I I thought, ooh, I just love that episode, though. Yeah, and Uh then the
1: second part.
0: Well, we have to get to the fact that how did the first part end? Walter gets shot. Yeah, so he falls down at the uh, at the um, hospital entrance. But while he's doing that, <clears throat> Olivia has went to her apartment and she's standing outside watching Bo Olivia, her alternate self, uh that. uh kissing on her boyfriend, kissing on Bo Olivia's because Bo Olivia right. lives with with the I man. Am. See, and then William Bell comes up behind her, you know, and of course she's startled because it's it's him. And first thing I thought it was, interesting. First thing he said is, "I did not set you up." <laughs> What he said? He said, "By the time I got to the park, he just it was shady. already going down." Shady? No, he's not. Okay, now we get to the finale, finale, which is over there, part two.
1: And this is when Walter's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. They and he's getting treated, and of course, Walter and is told he's at the hospital, so he's trying to go get him. Uh huh. Oh, mm-hmm. And Olivia and William Bell have to come to his rescue and and get him out the hospital. That was good. That was good. That was
0: good.
1: That was really. That was good. pretty good. I was like, I hope I don't have old Leonie Nimoy running and stuff. Oh no!
0: The way he did it was perfect. I know the though. way it was done was fine. The way he did it was perfect. And you know what? I want to know. Okay, this is this is what I want to know. Since William Bell and the Mr. Secretary, Walter, Nett, didn't meet in the alternate universe because that's what he told uh, uh, yeah. uh, Walter. Then, what what did he show that nurse? And she said, "Oh, excuse me, sir, I didn't know." I want to know what what kind of credentials he had. Good, William Bell. Yeah, he's got he's got something. I mean, he does have clout because he. He developed massive dynamic yeah, and, and all that stuff, so, too. yeah. Yeah, but I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, that was pretty good. So, um,
1: so Walter, or excuse me, so Olivia and William Bell snatched Walter from the hospital. They had to, though. Alternate Olivia and alternate Charlie, of course, fail with getting custody of Walter, and... But she's mad, though, when she
0: sees that surveillance tape, though. Oh, yeah. She's mad, because she's thinking... That's Mrs. Secretary, and, and that's, that's me. me. <laughs> She's mad, she don't know shit. Yeah, see, see? she don't
1: know. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> they decide to go get Peter mm-hmm. and put him in somewhere safe, some safe
0: place. Well, first of all, while all that's going on, Peter, uh, his mama has given him this big old portfolio the night before, saying, "You know, Walter's going to stay in town tonight, but he gave he left this for you to study." And so Walter's got all the schematics and stuff oh, for right. that little doomsday device and trying to figure out how it works and how come it won't work and everything. See, and Peter's looking at it going, huh, Yeah. let me try to figure this out. Yeah, and so that's what he'd been doing that whole time. So then he goes to the secretary's office to, you know, see his father. And he's, he, you know, he's telling him, well, you know, I don't, I've looked and looked and I can't find any reason how come it doesn't work. And then that's when Walter says, Well, it's 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 um something to do with some 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 problem with the power source and he gives them the, that little
1: grid stuff. See, this is what mm-hmm. I liked about this episode you know, the last couple. Walter of, is shady. In the, yeah, in the alternate universe, I like seeing the different personalities because in this universe, Walter is not slow. No. He's not sick. He's not mentally off. He's sharp. He's cool. He's manipulative. Yes. He's evil in, at times. Mm-hmm. And he can see, and I just love seeing that contrast yeah. with characters. Yeah. And Olivia, too. She's somewhat the same, but she seems like she's a little bit more... Um, she's un- un- unfeeling. More right. unfeeling. Right, like mm-hmm. I'm right. I'm the good side. That's the bad side. Boom. That's There's it. no in between. Yeah, and I think Olivia from our side or the universe we've been seeing up until now mm-hmm. is more sees the
0: shades of gray. Well, but like Peter told the alternate Olivia, she it's in her eyes. She they look haunted, but we know why. You know, and says she looks like she's always trying to apologize or make up for something. That's what he was telling uh-huh. the, Bo- the alternate, Bolivia. And believe you me, she done put that in her memory bank, so she gonna have to try to mimic that shit. Yeah. You know, because that's the way Olivia behaved because she felt so guilty about a whole bunch of stuff from her childhood, but also uh, you know, she's a fan kid. Yeah, yeah. So, you know.
1: But, um, the best scene to me. <laughs> Was when Olivia and yeah meet
0: up and fight and now, fight. Yeah, that was a fight. But you have to admit, though, the alternate Olivia was kicking her ass. Yeah, kicking her butt. Cause guess why? She evil. Her. Yeah, she's evil. Like I said, she got more anger. And you know what though? But this is what I really like, man. This was some good writing, though, because especially with Olivia and Bolivia, or the alternate Olivia, and that is, you know, so many things, yeah, they look alike and, and they're alike and stuff, but so many things are different. Like in the alternate universe, Olivia's mother is alive, yeah. but her sister died in childbirth. Right. And in the in our universe, the mother has died, and but the sister, sister is lives. alive and, and, she, She's and she has a she niece. Has a niece. You know, who's seven years old. So, I thought that was excellent, though. I thought that was really good. But, yeah, when they fighting each other, that's, yeah, that's one of the best scenes. And then you don't know who it is at the end. Because she goes and dyes her hair. Yeah. Man, but you know what? The first time I saw that, though, when Olivia went and dyed, and I saw that hair dye, I thought, oh, how are they going to tell them apart? They? Ain't. Yep.
1: They ain't, and then you got the wrong one in the wrong place. I know
0: on both sides. So, but I, I really like that scene, though. I really, really like the scene when she convinces Charlie uh, that the uh, secretary just called and they have to go move Peter. Yeah, from where he's located. I like the scene in the car because Charlie is just talking and stuff. But and Olivia, I think she she got a sense that okay. Her other self acts this way. And plus, Olivia, even in, in our universe, she she just don't, she's not a chit-chatter. You right, know what I mean? Right. She, she just don't do that. Chit-chat. But that was perfect because she just gave very clipped answers and Charlie wasn't the wiser. But when they got to Peter's house and she started talking, that was awesome. Yeah. That, and then as soon as Charlie said, uh, what are you talking about? Click. <laughs> <laughs> knocked him out. Knocked she his, had his ass do something. Yeah. Yeah. She had to knock his ass out. Shit. But that was so good. And, yeah, and what he I says, hope okay, Peter, it's me. He said, Well, yeah, I kinda of figured that
1: I hope what happens is Charlie is knocked out, the faux Charlie or alternate Charlie. Mm-hmm. And we see him again in this season. Mm-hmm. He ain't been able to take his medicine and we see what the hell these worms, worms are Worms are. Yeah. But uh because
0: yeah. I want to know. I want to know what it is.
1: I want to know, too. Mm-hmm. Nasty. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because he, he has to take those shots all the
1: time. But mm-hmm. I also didn't like... Isn't this the episode where Peter and Olivia kissed? Yes, I didn't like oh, that. I didn't like that.
0: I did not like that, because she was trying to tell Peter. He said, I don't belong there. I mean, she told him about, okay, look, this is not... A device that's going to help the world. It's going to destroy our universe. And, you know, you were duped and blah, blah, blah. And especially because, you know, Peter knows all about the observers. Yeah. August, September and all them fools. So he knows that she is not, you know, just saying that. Plus she had that drawing. She had that original drawing that he gave her and she gave it to Peter. And it shows Peter's face in it and everything. See, so he knows. I, that. But I just don't like the, the the. I know what they did with that. Well, you know, she told him, "Look, uh, you have to come back because I need you back." What else was she going to do? Of course, she's going to kiss him. But <sighs> uh, yeah, I didn't like. I that. I don't like it. I don't like what they're doing with. That I don't like that. Yeah, I, I much prefer like a I brother prefer sister relationship.
1: Or if, if, even if they're not brother sister, let it have some sexual tension without the actual kissing. Well, I think it's going to be now
0: because. Uh, we got the faux Olivia. Yeah, but st- I just didn't like that. Yeah. But anyway, so they go back to the opera house, of course, and, and you know, they got to um, get back to our universe. Now, I the first time I saw this episode, though, I was shocked that William Bell sacrificed himself. He gone. Well, maybe. His atoms are all scattered. Huh, maybe. <laughs> That's what he told Walter, so... And, but I'm glad he told Walter why he took his little brain parts out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I and wonder why. They go
1: back, and it is the faux Olivia that doesn't come back. You
0: know what she did? See, I figured it out, even though they didn't show it. When oh, when the real Olivia said to Walter, Walter, look out, because the, the faux Olivia was standing off to the side... Then she, when that grenade went off, I think she threw the grenade, but she also had to change clothes. She had on a purple purple or blue or something shirt. And when she got uh, 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 William Bell up and said, sir, are you okay? And, you know, they went on in. She had that red shirt on that Olivia had on. I noticed that. But I had to watch it a, a, a second time. Because my thing was, okay, couldn't they see that they were dressed different? They were dressed different. She had that blue shirt on when she was putting her gun in and everything. And everybody was on the scene. Yeah, she had that bright blue shirt on. But when she went and went up into the opera house, she so she had changed clothes with her. Let's just switched it. That wouldn't be too hard to do. Would well, yeah? Because everybody was knocked out. Right. See. Man, that was a mess. Oh, that was a mess. But you know what? That explains why. When they're standing there getting ready to go and and William Bell is telling Walter, look, I can do this and stuff. She's just not saying anything. She's just standing there because she don't know what's happening because she's never done it. See, because she's Bolivia. See, right. Ooh, man, that's a mess, though. I don't like the fact that I mean, it's going to be very interesting, but I don't like the fact that it's the alternate Olivia that's in our universe. And well, that's that's. I think it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. yeah. And uh Walternette is so mean. They got Olivia in a little bitty room in the, in the dark. That first alone. of all, that was awful.
1: That's awful. And she's like a lab and rat She's not scared of anything, but no. she was pleading, begging, scared mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. that. And
0: she's in isolation. I mean she don't know what's happening, nothing. No. Nope. That t- that was oh, that was an awful, awful scene. That was a perfect, and he just walked cliff- on
1: away. That was a perfect little cliffhanger. cliffhanger. Yeah. A
0: so tomorrow hang- night is going to be the premiere episode of season three. Yes. And we Ooh. promise we will not be get behind. Well, we hope not. No, we're not going to get behind because if nothing else, I will have to do all the recaps then. We'll figure out a way that we're going to yeah, do it and because,
1: keep on track.
0: Yeah, we need to keep Just on with track. the
1: recaps. Because something. it's going to
0: be good this season because we're going to have a lot of interplay between the alternate. And the real. Uh, and the real. Because you know Walter going to come back over again.
1: He's you going know, to find a way. Oh, yeah.
0: Because mm-hmm. he going to want Peter back. Yep. For whatever he's planning. Mm-hmm. He's because gonna... he's going to think that they snatched him again. He has no idea that Peter went willingly. See, he right. has no idea that Peter knows that, yeah. that that's a destruction device. Yeah. See, so he doesn't know that. So, for so all he thinks is, okay, I've got to go do this him. again. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they done snatched him again. You know, but I like what Peter. Um, I like what Peter said to Walter though. At the very end, he says, "Look, he, I can't, you know, be like you want me to be, but." You did come across the the uh, universe twice to save my life, so that got to count for something. Mm hmm. That oh. was good. Poor Pita.
1: I know. Well, they better quit making them kids. That's all I got to say. Well, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we're see it how is they going do it. to be
0: interesting if he can <coughs> detect that she is not quite right. Not quite right. And you know, before they left. Walter was building that device so he could detect objects from the other side. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So I bet you by by mid-season, he's going to either need her help or something. And, of course, she can't do it because she's not a cortex-span kid. Not in the alternate. Oh, and that's another thing. Um, I thought it was really interesting how when William Bell and Walter were gathering up... um, They went uh, to the Harvard basement and they were gathering up the equipment they would need to like build that generator thing so they could get back. That he said that in the alternate universe, William Bell died as a young man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He died as a young man. So it seems to me, even though Walter set all this stuff in motion when he kidnapped Peter when Peter was a little boy, but uh, William Bell must have did some damage too, because of his alternate self died as a young man, but he's still there. Right. And and he's lived there, mm-hmm. and he's known there, because he had that little card. So it seems to me that would have altered some things as well. Oh, sure, I'm sure mm-hmm. it did. I want to know, I want to know, why walter told william bell to take out his brain parts his memories cuz he said you told me to do that well wasn't it so that they couldn't find out
1: how to do how to uh create Maybe the device. Maybe it was. Okay. Yeah, I think it was yeah. because he didn't want anyone to find out how to create the device. Okay, And that's why Newton had to go snatch all those brain pieces back to try to put it to together. It together. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot I about that. That was that one
1: nasty episode where they had those people's heads open. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I'm that's really true. looking forward to this season and oh, yes, I'm so excited I'm
0: for us to podcast again and yeah. get a bunch of... And- I just thought of something. I wonder if little Ella's gonna be able to tell. That's not the real Olivia. Oh yeah, kids
1: can tell. Mm. You know that's gonna be the first thing that's mm. going that's gonna be the first person who can tell is Ella. Yeah. Ooh, this is gonna be good. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. All right. Well, if you would like to send us an email or send us a voicemail or just comment about the show, there are several ways you can reach us. Okay. We our email is speak at gmail.com. Our voicemail number is 972-692-7341. Our website is sistersinterview.com and you can leave a comment there. We are also on Facebook, which is facebook.com/sisterspeakpodcast and that's where we go to have a lot of great commentary we post things and people uh, ask questions and we answer mm-hmm. questions and so that's a great place to go for our little community. And then Sister Jay and I are both on Twitter At underscore sister J and underscore sister K. Yep. So there are lots of ways to reach us. We definitely want to hear from you and what you think about uh, the season throughout this season of Fringe. And you can even comment back on the old stuff since we're just now getting to it, <laughs> and what yeah. you thought if you can still remember anyway. <laughs> yeah. And we just want it to be a great season because yep. we just love this show. Yeah, we this one of our faves. We're going. Um, someone mentioned on a previous, uh, I think it was on our True Blood podcast, for us to let them know when our um, email comment deadline would be. To get onto the podcast, and after conferring, <laughs> since Jay and I think that if you get your comments to us by Saturday evening, evening. Mm-hmm. then we could definitely have it in that week's podcast because we're striving to stay on time and on task, yes. and have a episode posted by Sunday. Yep, Sunday night. So, um, if you get us your comments and post your questions by saturday evening then we should have it in time for the podcast of that week right you already said that okay cool all right well that's it for now please tune in this week for the premiere episode of season three premiere episode and we'll have that posted this weekend i am sister k and i'm sister jay see you next time